My name is Neil, and I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Together we do this wonderful church, the Southwest London Vineyard. It's very good to see you all here this morning. And if you missed last week, can I encourage you to um, have a listen to it on the uh, podcast? And the real reason for that is um, not because you need to uh, hear my dulcet tones, uh, but it was because we started a series last week looking at how we actually think about following Jesus um, and how we think about following Jesus in such a way so that following Jesus has an impact on our day-to-day lives, um, day in, day out, week in, uh, week week out. So have a listen to that. We said basically last week that being a follower of Jesus, being an apprentice of Jesus is is essentially um, we need to order and arrange our lives around three principal goals and those principal goals are first of all to be with Jesus the second is to become like Jesus and then the third is to do what Jesus did to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did and over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at each of these things in a little bit more depth um, and we're going to start this morning with um, to be with Jesus. And so if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn me to John chapter 14. Um, but first, let's, let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit here in our midst. We welcome you. We say, come and have your way with us. Come and open our hearts that we might receive you. Let's lift up our heads, lift up our hearts that the King of glory may come in, that we may come in and take up residence in our hearts. Spirit of the living God, breathe on us, fall afresh on us, transform us with ever-increasing glory into the image of your precious Son, Jesus. So John um, chapter 14, when you read through the Gospels, the closer that Jesus comes to the cross, the more he talks about the fact that he's going to be going away. Uh, He says that he's going to be going away, but he says that in his place, he will send what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit. Uh, Have a look at verse 16 of John 14. He says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And that that word advocate can actually be translated as um, another one of me, another one like me. And what Jesus is saying is Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm going to be going away, but I will give you another one like me who will be with you forever, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He goes on in John, it says, the world cannot accept him, the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Down to verse 25. It says this. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate. There's that word again. The Holy Spirit. This another one of me. Whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
So according to Jesus, the, the way that you and I um, be with Jesus today, because Jesus isn't here today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the way that you and I be with Jesus today is in and through the person of the Holy Spirit. And what this means is that, this means, as we were saying this last week, that the first and primary goal of following Jesus, apprenticeship to Jesus, is that we, um, we learn to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. This is like the, this is like following Jesus 101. This is like the baseline of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is our response to Jesus' invitation, which is, come and be with me. Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me, that they might be with him. And what Jesus does, he goes on and he uses this metaphor to sort of describe how it is that we're supposed to live out this brand new reality and turn on to um, John chapter 15. Very famous passage here in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That's worth thinking about when we're going through some of the challenges that we're going through every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word i've spoken to you verse four remain in me as i also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because, as we all know, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus' metaphor for life as a follower of Jesus, for the life of a disciple, for the life of an apprentice of Jesus, is that of a branch um, being kind of connected to and staying connected to the trunk and the root of a vine. That's, that's what it looks like. That's the image. That's the metaphor. That's the picture he's uh, giving us. And in this one short passage, just Jesus is like driving the point home. And he's really trying to make sure that we get hold of this idea because he uses this metaphor of remaining or abiding or staying connected like 10 times. What he's saying is get into the Father's presence. Connect in with the Father's presence and get there and stay there. He's saying like root yourself and connect yourself and ground yourself, uh, center yourself in the Father's presence and, and, and be in the presence of God all day long. Just like a branch connected to a tree, branch connected to a vine. 
And he's not saying, um, I don't think, like, go off and sort of run off and hide away in, like, a monastery. That wasn't Jesus' plan for us. That wasn't Jesus' model. What he's basically advocating is he's sort of saying, learn to live your life and to be in two places at once. The life of the disciple is learning to live and to be in two places at once. And so, you know, we're sitting eating our cornflakes for breakfast in the morning or very late at night. And we're in the Father's presence. You're on the train and you're um, off to work or you're on your bike, on your, on your way to work or you're on your run, on your way to work or however it is you get to work in amongst all the kind of crazy other thousands of people who are on their way to work. Uh, wherever it is, whatever it is you're doing, you're in the Father's presence. You're on the school run and the kids are screaming in the car or it's like uh, there's just craziness wherever you go and yet you're in the Father's presence we're in the father's presence all day long and there's all sorts of language through the teachings of jesus through the writings of the new testament through the sort of church history that that describe and capture this sort of relationship that we are to have with our heavenly father jesus here he calls it remaining abiding and um, paul calls it uh, a prayer without ceasing this sort of um, constant 24 7 communion with god just praying constantly, just in communion with God, 24-7, without ceasing. Um, the, 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 our Catholic friends would call it contemplation. Uh, the medieval mystic, Brother Lawrence, he called it practice, the practice of the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. And, and Brother Lawrence, he was this 15th century um, French monk. He, he, he was a soldier. He got saved, and, and he went off. He did, he, did, he did go off and live in a monastery. And, and his life goal was basically entirely devoted to this thing of the practice of the presence of god he was like i I want to find out i want to work out what this stuff in john 15 actually means what it looks like in practice what, what, what does this mean how do you do it and so he gave his whole life to trying to work out what abiding and remaining looked like um he was basically the sort of uh, washer-upper in a monastery he wasn't even really a like proper priest thing he was just like a, he was he was the the kitchen boy really and um years later after he died his letters came to light and in, in one of them he'd written this he'd said this he said the time of work for me when he says work what he's meaning the time of busyness the time of of, of of doing this sort of stuff and the chores of my life he said the time of work for me does not differ from the time of prayer and in the noise and the clutter of and the clatter of my kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for several different things i possess god in as great a tranquility as if i were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament several persons are all at the same time calling for several different things how resonant is that of your lives at any given moment and yet in the midst of all of that clatter and all of that noise and all of that carnage and that chaos, Brother Lawrence is saying, I, in the midst of all of that, do you know what? I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. Here's a, a 15th century Catholic monk for whom the sacrament, the partaking in the body and the blood of Jesus, this is the most important thing that you can do. It's like the pinnacle. And he's saying is, yeah, that's a great moment. That's amazing. But actually, it's no better 
than the chaos and the carnage and the clatter and the clutter of rush hour in my kitchen when I've got 30 grumpy, grouchy monks wanting feeding. And the point of this is that um, the invitation on our lives as followers of Jesus is for us to possess God, to be in his presence right in the midst of all of the noise and the chaos and the activity and the busyness of our kitchens or our workplaces or wherever it is that we find ourselves in the midst of our hectic lives. We are to experience God in the midst of all of the noise that's going on around us and we are to experience what is actually an awesome tranquility. Notice that he calls it the practice of the presence of God. Um, and his point is, that this, this living in a, a state of constant awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit, and it's going to take like practice. It doesn't just happen. It's like it takes practice. It takes a lifetime of practice. You know, because as we know, it takes a lifetime. It takes ages to get good at anything. We have to practice to get good at stuff. Um, and when I say practice, I'm not saying that, you know, like this week, it's like we, we take the teachings of Jesus and, you know, like, try harder. You must, you must try harder. Because to be honest, you're not really trying very hard at all. You know, and um, truth be told, you know, last week we talked about taking the teachings of Jesus and applying them. And, you know, like we, to be honest, we've messed up. haven't really done it properly. Like, just try harder. That's not, it's not what I'm saying at all, because if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you'll know that trying harder doesn't work. Like trying harder just doesn't really seem to work. One of the most important things I think that we can take, of, or take hold of when we're talking about spiritual formation is that it's actually much less about trying and it's much more about training. It's much less about trying and it's much more about um, training. Uh, how many of you here are, um, have run a marathon? Seriously, check you out. Like, no, like, not, like a, not a quarter marathon, like a full marathon. Like, seriously. It's on your radar, isn't it, Josh? It's what's coming next. Marathons, like 26, uh, I, I, it may come as a great surprise to you. It's not something that I've actually achieved yet. Um, I say yet. <laughs> And uh, thanks for the encouragement. Um, a marathon, 26.2 miles, is that right? That's like a, that's like a long way. <laughs> they can't walk 26.2 miles. Uh, that's a long way. What would happen, those of you who are marathon runners, what would happen if the rest of us mere mortals um, were to decide to wake up tomorrow morning and decide, you know what? Oh, Monday morning. Like, I think I've got some time spare. Uh, I think I'll run a marathon. You know, what would happen to us if we literally woke up tomorrow morning and decided that we were going to go and run a marathon? Is that, is that, those of you who've run marathons, is that a good idea? Would that be something you would encourage? Like, we would die. Like, I would die. Like, I might make it to, you know, you might make it to mile five, like some of you, right? Um, some of us, lesser mortals, might make it to like mile one or mile half or mile quarter before death occurred um we don't wake up and just go i'm gonna run a marathon great what a good idea it's it's just not how things work even if you've uh, you've got somebody who's run a marathon before you know you've got kim and patrick running alongside you and they're cheering you on and saying you can do this and they're praying for you and uh, speaking in tongues as you pray and um are anointing you with oil as you run 
even that, I mean, unless they were carrying me, right, then I might do it. But, like, even that encouragement and all that good intention and spiritual cajoling is only going to get me past, like, mile three. Do you see? If I'm lucky. And then I'd do it. Because it's just not the way we do it. You don't wake up uh, tomorrow and run a marathon. You wake up tomorrow and say, I want to run a marathon in next month's or year's time. And so tomorrow I'm going to run half a mile. Just push it out there. And then the next day you run like, you know, half a mile. And then the next day you take a day off and recover from the half miles that you've been running. And then you run a three quarters of a mile. And slowly, apparently, so I have it on good authority, that you, you, you build up. Each week you do a bit more and then you take a, a break. And my, my point is that over a long period of time, through practice, six months from now, nine months from now, 18 months from now, um, you'll suddenly find yourself able to run like 20 miles, 22 miles, 24 miles. And, and, and somewhere along that period of time, you've become the sort of person for whom running 26.2 miles is hard. I mean, it's always going to be hard, I imagine. I doubt there is anybody who thinks this is a stroll in the park. Right? So it's always going to be hard, but we've become the sort of people for whom running 26.2 miles is within our capacities as a human being. Not because we tried hard to run a marathon. It's like, I'm going to run a marathon, I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can. But because we trained properly through practice. If you want to take, run a marathon, it's going to take practice. Um, if you want to experience the life that Jesus offers all through the day, it's going to take a lifetime of practice. And this is where the spiritual disciplines um, or perhaps the practices of Jesus are essential if this is the kind of life that we're wanting to lead. Things like silence and solitude. Things like prayer and fasting. Things like celebration and generosity. Things like reading the Bible, reading the scriptures. Things like keeping the Sabbath. Um, And the truth is, calling these things, these practices of Jesus, the spiritual disciplines, is is actually... um, it's actually a terrible way to describe them, I think. Um, when we think about the spiritual disciplines, I, all of my heart just like says, oh, God, discipline. Like, oh, I crushed already. You know, oh, what have I got to do more? I've got to fast more. Great. I can't eat for a week. Oh, great. I love following Jesus. It's amazing. I've got to read like Leviticus cover to cover in like a week, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And I've got to do it alone and silent and on my own somewhere. And I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Um, the spiritual discipline has got a bit of a bad rap, and you know maybe we should just call them like habits, you know, good habits. You know, the seven habits of highly effective people seem to work for Stephen Covey, so why don't we just steal it? Because um, the truth is, the spiritual disciplines aren't actually just like spiritual. They're not just for our spirits. Um, um, they're habits that we form, uh, and they um, inform and form our minds and our bodies and our spirits. So the spiritual disciplines, they're, they're actually whole person habits. Um, and what we're doing through them and in and through them is we're orienting and we're, 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 we're directing our lives around connecting and remaining with God, just being with Jesus. Uh, up until relatively recently, we've, um, we've, what we've always known as, as the spiritual disciplines, they, they were actually the starting place for discipleship and, and, and followership of Jesus. So um, nowadays, somebody decides to start following Jesus, they want to become an apprentice of Jesus, and we, we send them off to Alpha or something amazing like that. 
500 years ago, if you just started to follow Jesus, they would have sat you down and said, great, day one, fasting. Let's start there. Okay? You go, okay. You start fasting, and then it would be like, great, let's, let's day two, let's do something else. Let's do some silence and solitude, shall we? And you're like, okay. And we don't even really kind of know what those things mean anymore. These are the practices, time-tested practices that orient a life around the life of Jesus. But these practices have become pretty obsolete, uh, and, and most of the time, as I say, they've got a pretty bad press. But the truth is, all of these things, which we're going to start looking at a little bit more over the next uh, few months, um, they're, they're actually just a means to an end. You know, they're not an end in and of themselves. They're, they're, they're a means to an end. We don't, like, we don't read the scriptures so that we, can, like, that we know the story. Jesus said that we know the narrative so that we can just say, this is what happens. You know, we read the scriptures so that we can allow the scriptures to read us. So that when we read the scriptures, the scriptures form us and transform us. We, we read the scriptures so that we can begin to work out through some sovereign and supernatural act of God what living life like Jesus actually looks like so that we can be shaped into the image of Jesus. You know, is the point of prayer. Prayer is the point of fasting. Fasting is the point of silence and solitude so that we can just kind of go, right, okay, silence and solitude, I need to be on my own and quiet. Great. Done silence and solitude. Awesome. I can move on to the next thing. All of that is completely and utterly pointless. You know, we're not earning anything by doing these things. We're already sons and daughters of the, the Father. All of the spiritual disciplines, they're just a means to an end. And the, the end is first and foremost that we might be with Jesus. That's the point of them. These are time-tested ways for us to position ourselves and to present ourselves as a living sacrifice before God. And it's basically what I was saying last week. God, you are here. You've been here all the time. I've been really busy doing a whole lot of other things. But now, through some of these things, through a bit of silence and solitude, through reading the scriptures, through fasting, through some of those other things, it's like, now I'm here too. And so now... God, we're here together. And it's just be together, you and the Father. And that could be through the practice of coming together in community in your small group. It could be through the practice of silence and solitude first thing in the morning as you start your day. It could be through the practice of silence and solitude at the end of your day. Or it could be anything and everything in between. These are the ways whereby we tune our hearts and our minds and our imaginations, even our bodies, to the rhythm of the Holy Spirit, so that we might be with Jesus, so that we, um, in, in doing so, we might experience the fullness of the life that he's invited us into. So how do we actually do this? You know, when I, when I wake up tomorrow morning, how do I actually walk in the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit, which is what Paul writes about in, in Galatians? How do I abide in the vine, um, or whatever you want to call it, which Jesus talks about in John um, 15? Well, actually, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, we have to start living our lives the way that Jesus lived his life. We have to start living our lives the way that Jesus um, lived his life. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
If we want the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Kate and I, um, you'll often find us walking in Richmond Park. I, I, I put the emphasis on walking. And whenever we're in Richmond Park, like, Richmond Park is full of, like, deer and cyclists and runners, okay? Um, and so you go into Richmond Park, and we we're always, when we're walking, there's always all of these runners. Uh, and they're all running around the park, and they're all in their ridiculously tight, you know, lycra get-ups. And, um, and they're, like, deadly serious. Um, they're, like, super fit lean and super fast they've got all the gear you know they, they, they they're, they're looking great and, and we're just walking um but we see i see all these guys and i think to myself do you know what i i, I want to be like that i don't fancy myself as a runner i think i want to run right i want to be a runner yes yes, I, yes i'd make a good runner right um i i want to i want to gracefully sort of leap around the park and um have gear like that uh, I'm not so sure about the lycra, but anyway, we'll move on swiftly. And, and then I kind of think, yeah, I, I, like, I like that. I'm going to subscribe to that. I'm going to become like a, a subscribe to a running magazine or something. And then I kind of think about it for about 30 seconds, and I think, um, I wonder what kind of goes with that. And I start thinking about what might go with that life. And I start thinking about the lifestyle, and then I think, well, yeah, chances are, you know what, those guys, those lean machine guys, they probably don't eat what I eat. Um, chances are they have like strict regimes, whereas I have no regime, like strict or otherwise. They, they probably have like a, a specific diet that has a technical term. Um, you know, and they don't sort of run occasionally here and there when they sort of feel like it, when they're in the mood or when the weather is fair. Um, these are the sort of people who run like all, all the time, right? and they're like training like all the time and they're really really serious and earnest about running um and there's like all of the stuff that goes with being a runner and like i'm like i want to be a runner but i don't think i want to be a runner that much actually um i want to be a runner but waking up at five o'clock in the morning to do a 10 mile run after eating a banana and a small cup of water It's just not very appealing to me, you know, and it's cold, um, it's dark, the clocks are about to change, it's raining. Yeah, I don't really want to be a runner anymore. And um, it's basically, I'm quite keen on the life, but I'm very less keen on the lifestyle. But if we think about it, our lives are the byproduct of our lifestyle. You know, and by our lifestyle, what I mean is our, like our rituals and our routines, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our energy, how we organize our day, how we organize our weeks. The corporate gurus would, would describe it this way. They'd say, your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. Yes. True. So if we think about our lives, are we getting the results that we want? What, what is the fruit that is growing on our and in our lives, what's, what's the fruit that's being produced from our life with Jesus? Is it good fruit? Is it what we want or not? Does it look kind of like the fruit that we want? Because when you look at the life of Jesus, you see all these things about his lifestyle. You read through the Gospels. And don't just look at sort of what he did in terms of the teaching and the miracles and stuff like that. But just like look through that to what his lifestyle was and what it would have looked like. And 
And yet there's some really striking things about the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus was like never in a rush. You know, he was never in a rush. He was like unhurried. Like he spent lots of time with people. He was like always, he's always at a party. He's like, you know, knocking back the vino. You know, he's eating, hanging out with people, just like likes people. Um, he also spends a lot, a lot of time alone. So he would get up early to pray. He'd go off on like a, like a prayer weekend retreat thing, mountain, up a mountain somewhere. Um, you look at the gospel, Jesus, like, Jesus slept a lot. I like. It's worth reading into, you know. And more than once, the, you look through the gospels and the disciples just have to wake him up. I love that. I'm like, I want to be like that, Jesus. Like Jesus suddenly become a lot more appealing. Right? I can copy, I can I can mimic the life of Jesus to a perfection, to a T. It comes to the, the resting Jesus, the sleeping Jesus. You know, sometimes Jesus would wake up at four AM. I haven't quite mastered that. You know, sometimes he'd wake up at like nine. I know I'm much more up with that. He would set aside an, an entire day, a week, for rest and for worship. that's my day of rest it's my day of worship Uh, he was at synagogue every single sabbath he lived simply Uh, all these things you'll see when you read through the gospels and and guess what jesus was at peace he was at peace you know a lot of us we're over busy we're on the go all the time we're a lot of us we're buying a lot more than we need a lot of us are not sleeping well at night or enough at night we're we're cramming more and more and more you know the day is still only 24 hours long you know the week is only still only seven days long and yet we're cramming more and more and more into our days and our weeks we're reluctant to sabbath and to follow the lifestyle of jesus and then we're surprised when we don't have the the peace of jesus you know, why am I stressed out all the time? Like I pray. I read like, like a verse in my Bible at least like once this week. You know, I'm, I'm going, going to church like twice a month. I mean, what more could any like respecting human being expect from me? And you know, I still haven't got any peace. You know, God, why is that? Give me peace. You know, and it's like we, our assumption is, is that peace is this thing. It's like a, a, like a plaster, a plaster. That God is just going to just lower down from the heavens and stick peace over our horrible lives. That's not what peace is. Peace is actually the byproduct. Peace is fruit. It's what grows out of a branch remaining in the vine and being connected to the root. It's it's a byproduct of apprenticeship to Jesus. Apprenticeship to Jesus. We start to adopt the lifestyle of jesus as we start to arrange our lives as best we can around the framework and the model given to us by jesus you can read just throughout the scriptures guess what suddenly like nine six nine twelve months down the road we can run 26.2 miles guess what two three four five six weeks down the track i'm like oh i feel more peaceful Hmm, where did that come from All of Jesus' life was the overflow of this inner disposition shaped and formed by abiding in his Father. And if we we want this kind of life, then we're going to have to arrange our lifestyles around the pattern given to us and laid out by Jesus. Okay. Now, 
I get that that might sound a little bit overwhelming, and we are going to try and dig into this over the next few months. But um, first of all, just like to take a deep breath and don't get more stressed, because <laughs> that's not the point. Um, here's a couple of thoughts, two things. First is long term. Right, so long term, how might we think about this? And here's just some things for you to think about over the coming weeks and months. Um, first of all, think about simplifying your life and simplifying our lives to what really matters. Like do a kind of a bit of an inventory of what we're actually doing. Like what does our life look like? And then start to think about, are we doing things that really matter? That's the first thing. And then over a period of time, again, this is not like in a hurry. This is not like do this by, you know, like tomorrow. I know some of you want to get it all done by tomorrow so you can check the box. But just allow it to kind of happen over a period of time. Just slowly think about how you might or how we might go about cutting out some of the extra unnecessary activities that we're doing in our lives. How do we just maybe cut some of them out? And then thirdly, how do we think about gradually adding in instead some of the practices of Jesus? And maybe, you know, it would be good for us all to start thinking about what are the practices of Jesus? Um, what what was Jesus' lifestyle? What did that look like? And maybe let's start to think about like making a list of some of the things that you resonate most with. Um, uh, it could be silence and solitude. Some of you may have a yearning and a craving for silence and solitude. And you just want to explore how you can gradually weave in more silence and solitude into your lives uh, over the coming months. Maybe it's fasting. Um, maybe it's reading scriptures maybe it's living in community whatever it is just have a look at let's all start to look at the, the, the lifestyle of Jesus and then let's start thinking about how we can actually adopt and adapt some of those lifestyle principles into our lives and start weaving them in to our lives over the coming weeks and let's start thinking about those things um, but to live this way we're going to have to slow down um, a little bit it's going to take a lifetime it's not a short fix um, but over the coming months let's just start digging into the practices of jesus and let's see if in 12 18 24 months um we can run 26.2 miles yeah uh, short term before i finish here's a really simple exercise for this coming week okay this is just something for this week let's all just try and set aside just 10 minutes 10 minutes each day just to be with Jesus. Okay? So not like too much. 10 minutes. Um, and let's take 10 minutes to just, of, of just silence and solitude. No talking for like 10 minutes. Oh, we can do it. 10 minutes like on your own with God. Um, just get some coffee, uh, find a quiet place, um, and and just sit for 10 minutes. And just take 10 minutes to be with Jesus. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray like that much. You don't have to do kind of do anything. Just sit and enjoy being with Jesus. Just sit down and say, God, you are here. You have been here all the time. I've been really busy. I've been doing all kinds of other things. But now I'm here. You are here. Let's just be here together for 10 minutes and just be with Jesus. There's a great um, story from an interview with Mother Teresa. And uh, the interviewer asked her, um, you know, when you pray, 
like, like, what do you say? And Mother Teresa looked at the interviewer and said, um, well, um, I don't say anything. I, I just listen. So the interviewer sort of was a bit perplexed. He said, oh, okay, well, when you pray, what does God say to you? And she looked even more confused and then said, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. We live in this kind of crazy, hectic, busy, noisy world that is actually doing violence to our souls. If we weren't aware of that. It's, doing, it's, it's an assault on our souls. And, and so often we carry that busyness and that craziness into our life with Jesus and into like our prayer life. You know, and I, my, I find myself, I have to check myself, but so often I find myself praying and I'm like God okay look I'm, I've got like I've got like three minutes I'm on a bit of a hurry I've got three minutes and um uh I've got to be here and there and everywhere but I've got like got three minutes um but a couple of things like I really need to be more patient today so um I like I don't know if you know but I have like a, I'm not very patient um that fruit is still a seed um but it's it's coming and um so you can monitor my patience over the coming weeks and months years but um I, I find myself like god i need more patience could you just give me more patience right quickly please uh, not that i'm impatient for getting patience but i like hurry about it and um and here's a load of things that i just need okay so god if you could just do bang and i rattle off this list the shopping list of things that god needs to do for me like right there and then and then i like great okay transaction done anything you want to say to me no? Okay, fine. All right. And then I'm off. Do you see? It's like, great, see you tomorrow. Do you see? And sometimes that's how my own, like, oh, hold on a second. That's not quite, I don't think that's quite how it's supposed to be. That's not quite what it's supposed to look like. There's a, there's a life that's waiting for us all. Jesus talks about it clearly. It's like there's a life, fullness, abundance. His invitation is come and see. He says to all the followers, disciples, he says, come, follow me. Come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the invitation of Jesus on our lives. Whether you're here this morning and you've known Jesus for 30 years, there's always an invitation to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. For all of us, no matter how long we've known Jesus, to come and see. Come and find out more. Come and hang out with him and find out more about him. You could be here this morning and you've never... You're like, I don't know what the hell I ended up here for. I mean, where I am, right? I thought I was going to be like an extra on a film, and I've ended up in this church. Um, or wherever it is that you end up happening to, happen to be here, and you're like, I don't, even, I don't even know who Jesus is. The invitation is for you too. It doesn't matter that you don't know who Jesus is. The invitation from Jesus is come and see who he is. Come and spend time with him. Come and find out from him. If he can actually lead you into the fullness and the abundance of life. We just need to take some time. Let's just slow down. Let's just breathe. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's focus on him. And then let his peace, which we're all so longing for. Let his peace come upon us. Okay. Well done. Great. Thank you very much. Why don't you stand?